When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, when we last recorded, the Mets had lost two of three to the San Francisco Giants. And, uh, you know, it seemed like maybe the uh, the team was about to hit a little bit of a lull. Well, we were very wrong. The Mets had swept the Phillies and the Nationals. Two garbage teams, but they're still wins uh, for a six-game homestand that was... Uh, it's the first time they swept a homestand of six or more games since 2015, and it was a lot of fun to watch. Not just because you got to watch the Nationals and the Phillies lose, but because the Mets are doing really fun things. And again, I keep having to remind myself, the Mets are doing all of this without three of their starting pitchers and without their two best starting pitchers. And it's just been so much fun to watch. So are there any particular moments from the homestand that you want to talk about, or just do you want to just bask in this glory for a few minutes? Yeah, I think basking in the glory sounds good. Uh, <laughs> this is a very fun team to watch, and it's nice to feel. Um, I mean, the Phillies just have issues, and the Mets have been very good at exploiting them this season. It feels like they've played the whole season against the Phillies. It uh, does. So far, but they – They've just done a very good job of it. Um, and then the Nationals look like a team that doesn't belong in the same league as the Mets. And that's a whole lot of fun. When when the series can go so well, uh, 
<laughs> even if Juan Soto does something good, you're not really worried about it. That is a really nice thing to be able to enjoy. And it wasn't that long ago that the Nationals were a good team. Yeah. But yeah, and they, they kept Soto, to, I believe it was one hit over the three games, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sign me up for that for the rest of my life i guess it's you know it's just a uh it's fantastic yeah uh, so we can get into a little more of the details of some of what transpired in those games but um nice way to bounce back from a series loss that uh like you mentioned it could have been the start of something not great but wasn't um they, they Mets have still not lost more than two games in a row this season. Um, for everybody who's worried about winning streaks, they have one going now, and that yeah, is a so. <laughs> that, that, that's a nice little bonus. And uh, yeah, I think we can look ahead a little bit too in in a few minutes. But there's nothing wrong with fully enjoying all of this, and we're all baseball fans. Uh, We've all been baseball fans for more than uh, this season. So we all know there's a long way to go. A lot of things can happen. Nothing is guaranteed. But right now, the Mets are going to win 100 games and win the division. <laughs> that, that's, that may have felt like a bold prediction in early April, if, if you had said that out loud. But the way things are going, it's a combination of them actually being good and the teams that are in their division clearly not being on that level. Um, even the Phillies, even if certain things started to click between the defense and the bullpen. And can you imagine if Bryce Harper were going through this DH only because of an injury mode and he was a Met and what those reactions would be like? Oh. It, just absolute pandemonium. Um yeah, I mean, almost unthinkable pandemonium if it was happening with the Met, if he was on the Mets right now. It would be but the yeah. only thing people tweeted about. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but no, I mean, and look, I, I know that it's very easy for people who are who want to be down on things to say, you know, oh, the Nationals and the Phillies aren't very good baseball teams. Well, yeah, first of all, no shit. Second of all, you have to beat those teams. Um that's a uh, that that's like a that, that's a that's a non-starter. You have to. Why are you mad they're beating up on good team on bad teams? Like that's, if they were losing to the Nationals, you'd never stop hearing about how they're losing to the Nationals. The Nationals are bad, but then they beat the Nationals. People say, "Well, it's only the Nationals." Like you know, I understand the Mets have to beat good teams too. I get that, but they need to beat up in the division, and they're doing so, and they've done so without playing the Marlins yet this year. <laughs> so you know, they the Mets have the ability to to really make a dent in this division real early and to, to pad their win total. This is a good thing. People need to stop harping on the fact they're beating a bad team. They're supposed to beat the bad teams. Um, but I have to say, on the all, Mets fans are handling the success better than I thought they would. And it's funny we have to say Mets fans handling success, but that's just the reality of being a Mets fan, I guess. Um, no, I have not absolutely. seen... I have I mean, not seen too many people tweeting terrible things yet. Have you? Um, some people have been muted. <laughs> Fair enough. 
the the Nirvana line, I miss the comfort in being sad is yeah. the Mets fan slogan when the Mets are doing well. And uh, I will have none of that negativity about this team when things are going this well. Um, I don't care what month it is. I'm referring if you think the month matters in terms of what's about to transpire, uh, I'm classifying that as baseball astrology and regarding it with the same level I regard actual astrology. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I've seen plenty of negativity, worrying about uh, all the different things that can go wrong, worrying about the fact that it's a new month now. And, and uh, yeah. Or just, you know, not not comfortable with good things happening to the Mets, uh, that those sorts of reactions. And I know uh, somebody in the replies on Twitter had mentioned uh, sort of lifetime of Mets fandom, right? And you're conditioned to expect certain things and not expect certain things. And I get that. I get that those things can change. And that's fair, I guess, but you have to enjoy the season that's going well while it's happening. So, yes. And, and look, the Mets are going to go through a losing streak probably, you know, and that happens. Um, and they're going back to the West coast for what's looking to be a relatively tough stretch of baseball, probably their toughest stretch of baseball they've had so far, uh, you know, against the Dodgers and the Padres and the angels. And, but, you know, you also have to realize that right now the Mets are, and I'm checking for the updated number right this second, uh, they are 11 games up on Atlanta, who was the closest team to them in the division, who were four games under 500. Right. Like this, the, the Mets can go and have a bad road trip, and it will be fine. It will be absolutely fine. And, yeah. they, may go and, and they may go and have a great road trip. I don't know. But right. it's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's the thing. They follow up the road trip. I think we touched on this on an episode recently, where where this you know this topic has been on the mind of Mets fans. Um, but they follow up a more competitive stretch in June with a long stretch of playing teams that are all currently under five hundred, and I would say unlikely to get back to five hundred by the time the Mets even play them. Right, and the rest of the season should include some of Jacob deGrom, some more of Max Scherzer, and the schedule does not get anywhere near as tough as the next 10 games over the course of, uh, what, 11 days? Yeah, Yeah. I would extend that slightly to the Brewers series when they come home too. Like, that's probably... They probably have right. let's let's call it two weeks of difficulty, right? From tomorrow through the sixteenth of June, they're going to have some tough times. But then it's the Marlins, the Astros, who are you know, how are the Astros doing right now? Let's see. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're okay. Yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're competitive they're first team. In the division. Yeah, yeah. So it's, that that'll be a little bit tough too. But they're also playing the Marlins six times in the in the end of June, and then in July, you have the Rangers, the Reds, the Marlins, the Braves, the Cubs. You know, that's 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 an easy stretch right there. Yeah, as of right now, the Rangers have just gotten back to five hundred. Um, but the Reds aren't going to. The Marlins probably won't. 
Uh, the Braves, maybe, but again, the, it's harder to get back to there when you're already several games below. Right. And the Cubs probably won't. Uh, the, nothing's guaranteed, but it's just a weird thing that if the schedulers had happened to, and look, they should schedule the Mets to play three series in California when they're in the area. That's just yes, logical for any team traveling. It's it's also ridiculous that in September the Mets pop into uh, – Oh, that's August. <laughs> September, they pop into it's Oakland. Open. Yeah. It, on the upside, they at least, they're going to Oakland from Milwaukee. They have an off day between those series. They have an off day before they come back to Queens for two games. And then have an off day and before off going day before to Atlanta. <laughs> right. So, like, if you had to, uh, I, I really think and hope um, they'll have things clinched before then. So, that that's some just wild scheduling but what they have coming up if the sequence were less convenient for travel but they had the dodgers for four and then the marlins for three and then the angels and then the padres uh, it it would just feel different and also this is uh, like what better way to see them go toe-to-toe with good teams uh than like you said with the cushion they have right now it if this road trip doesn't go well, it does not mean that they can't beat those teams in the playoffs. And if it does go well, then you're saying, hey, the Mets can beat these teams even without their two best pitchers, and McGill might even be their, I don't know, what, fourth, fifth best right. pitcher yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now. Like Carrasco's been very good. Bassett's been very good. So no insults to uh, to McGill. He, he might be the fifth best Uh with everybody healthy, even though he's been really good himself. So yeah, it's something to be excited about other than the 10, 10 PM first pitches for the next three nights. I, I did figure out one thing though, which is good, which is that on East coast time, the Mets cannot lose on my birthday. So it's either a win or a nothing on my birthday. Cause they're playing so late. There so, you go. Yeah. That, uh, that is good. It means well, I, it means it, it means I can enjoy a birthday dinner with my family and not rush back to watch the Mets watch the Mets game. Right. So, and then this this episode is dropping on your birthday. So that is true. A, a happy podcast birthday to you. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's the road trip is look. The road trip might be miserable. It may be, and that's okay. Again, like I can't. It it, it just. I know we're all conditioned to everything is doom and gloom, but this team is playing really well and they're going to be fine. What What is the number of games that you think the Mets would have to lose on this 10-game road trip for you to be worried? Mm, seven? Even that wouldn't make me worry about the season at large. Right, yeah. But it would be a little... I don't know, discouraging or or whatever, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, three three and seven trip or worse would uh, would would hurt a little, but I, I hate to set the bar as low as like four and six is successful, but if that happens, it's fine. If it's five and five or or better, great. Um, yeah, I, I think if they win four games, they're fine. Yeah, I. There's just, I don't know. And, and look, the Dodgers just lost two games to the Pirates. Yep. Um, 
that's not exactly something that you would expect. So uh, the Padres aren't invincible. The Angels aren't invincible, as the Yankees demonstrated. Um, they, haven't they lost five or six straight right now? The I Angels? think so. Yeah. Sounds right to me, right? Let's see. Yeah, they've lost six straight. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's yeah. and they're scheduled to play weather permitting uh in the Bronx tonight. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But anyway, let, let let's let's move off of the team in general and talk about some some player news here. Uh today Francisco Lindor hit a uh sacrifice fly for his 10th RBI in as many for, for his 10th game in a row with an RBI he has 20 RBIs over the last 10 games. He is only the second Met to ever do this. Mike Piazza did this twice. He had a 10 game streak and a 15 game streak, but Lindor, um, who was the national league player of the week this past week, um, is starting to really come alive. And I mean, I, I, I we all knew this was going to happen at some point, but it's very satisfying to watch this happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, didn't really doubt that Lindor was a good hitter. The, I think the injury last year, uh, I don't know if people ever would have gotten over the month struggle, really. A month to six week struggle that he started his Mets career mm-hmm. with. But the injury sort of hampered the ability to, I don't know, shut people up a little bit better, <laughs> for, for lack of a better term. Once he started to hit better, he was hitting like himself. And obviously the numbers at the end of the season still weren't as good as what you would, uh, what you'd like to see or expect out of him. It was a solid body of work that was in line with the player he had always been. And now he's hitting like that. And just so happens to be also collecting most of his hits or finding ways to drive and runs in, uh, RBI situations. So, yeah, it's very cool that Lindor and Piazza can be mentioned together. And that's the kind of guy it felt like this franchise was getting. And and I think no matter how down you were on Lindor last year, if you were, uh, we weren't. But if you were, you had to see that he was going to be a better hitter than he was early last season. You, You had to see that him sticking around long term meant something to this franchise. And I think things like Max Scherzer choosing to play for the Mets may not have happened if they hadn't done something like that first. Uh, there's no way that's not a big appealing thing to a player who who's in that position where he was going to get paid no matter where he went. Yep. And sure, I, I think he got the most money out of the Mets, but if it felt like he was the piece to start making the team relevant in a competitive way again, that uh, that he wasn't a piece that might really put them over the top and be a player who is joining a team who has a chance to do something special in the postseason. There's no guarantee that he would end up here uh, just for the most money. I, he probably would, but you, you don't know that. Right. Um, so... I, I obviously hope that everything goes as well as possible moving forward. But I think, and I thought it at the time, that that Lindor trade, uh, which also brought over Carrasco, um, signified that things were really different, and especially once the extension was done. 
so yeah very cool that he gets to be mentioned in in that same company yeah absolutely you know it's uh if you look at it their careers are actually sort of interesting parallels to one another where piazza was very very good with the dodgers but hadn't done anything in terms of like on a national scale they didn't make many playoff appearances whatever and then he comes over to the mets and gets the world series in a couple of years and lindor you know did well with cleveland but kind of a similar story and so it is cool to think of those two guys coming over um, you know Obviously, Keith Hernandez won a World Series and a batting title in in St. Louis, but that I think there's something special about getting that superstar player traded to you, where it just levels your team up. It happened with Hernandez, it happened with Piazza, and it appears like it's happening with Lindor, and that's awesome. We need we need to celebrate when these good things happen, even when there's shithead fans out there who won't celebrate it. Yeah. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In addition to that, uh, we should mention a couple of just uh, other player notes. Luis Guillorme keeps hitting and hitting. I believe he's batting like something like 345 right now. He walked three times today. He's just looking incredible right now while playing just the smoothest defense you can imagine. And, you know, the fact that they've been playing him almost every day is a great thing. And if you had told me at the start of the season, you know, the Mets are playing Guillaume every day, and I thought, like, oh, shit, who got hurt? But no, they're playing Guillaume every day because he's really good right now. And I, I know we are both big fans of Guillaume from a uh, just, you know, for, on just about every level, we're huge fans of Guillaume. Um, is there anything you want to add to that, or should we just say yeah, Guillaume and move on to the next guy? Uh, <laughs> just that I've spent a few days now, and that's a short time in a baseball season, uh, but I've spent a few days saying, I, I, I know he's not a 350 hitter, and all he's done is gotten up to being a 360 hitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, even as a league average hitter, he's a valuable player. And if any of this is real, um, he's walking more than he strikes out. He's hitting for average. He's getting on base. Uh, there hasn't been a ton of power there. It's just one home run, but it's not like he's only hit singles. Um, it's a guy who they, when they slotted him into the leadoff spot in the lineup the other day, it was not ridiculous. <laughs> and, it would sound like something that you would think you'd say in a season that was going wrong, that uh, the, the Mets had gotten to late May and Luis Guillorme was hitting leadoff all of a sudden. And 
it's not. It's it's not that anything's gone wrong at all. Um, it's just been a whole lot of fun to watch. And when you're getting on base at like a Nimmo clip or even, or even better than that, um, what a nice thing to have at the top or near the bottom of the lineup. And it's, it's just very cool to see a guy who was not given up at bats ever, um, but had gone from really in 2018 and 19 in his limited, uh, you know, playing time at the major league level did not look like a major league hitter. Uh, there was that one awesome dramatic home run against the nationals back when they were competitive in 2019. <laughs> uh, we, I think we were there, right? I think we were there, weren't we? Yeah. Pretty sure we were there for that game. Um, seems like a century ago, but it truly does. If you, you know, if you look at all that and then compare it to what he's done since, um, you're still only looking at a total of 323 and then and then a few more today but in the 320 range of plate appearances of a guy who's at like a 129 WRC plus over over that stretch um that starts to look really good i mean that before today's game that that WRC plus combined with what he had done in the field Two and a half, almost wins above replacement on fan graphs, um, and basically half a season's worth of plate appearances. That's pretty damn good. Uh, yes, it is. I, I don't know. Even the most optimistic of us, if we would have ever said, "Hey, what if Guillaume could be a four or five win player?" <laughs> that would have sounded ridiculous, and, and right. maybe it still does. But yeah, but even even if he's a third of that. He's a very valuable major league player. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, the longer he continues to do this, um, and Gelbs talked about the fact that Guillaume was, was telling him that he really just felt comfortable, like he wasn't overthinking with his swing, that it was just everything felt right. He doesn't have to do much uh, tweaking or anything, or he's not doing any of it right now, um, you know. It's a good spot to be in, and and you just hope it continues. Um, and with the way the season's going, why not? Yeah, exactly. And it, it also it highlights the the depth that the Mets have right now. Where you know this week Jeff McNeil uh, was a little banged up, so had a day off, and Mets didn't seem to miss him. You know these things. Uh, you know Brandon Nimmo missed four games with a sore wrist, and the Mets didn't lose any of those games including losing Travis Jankowski to injury, their only other real center fielder on the roster. I guess Marte is center fielder, but they're not playing Marte in center field, so that point is moot. But, you know, losing Jankowski as well didn't really affect them at all. They called him Nick Plummer, who did nothing but hit two dingers in his first couple games in the big leagues this year. And, uh, you know... And the first of which was a very dramatic... <laughs> yes. ...home run. Yes, a... a uh, about as big a home run as you could ask for in a game like that. And, uh, you know, it's just it, the Mets are just they're just rolling right now. And I, I don't know what else to say. It's it's been really fun to watch. The, the only player who has not been fun to watch for, uh, you know, for to, to, to no one's delight, especially not ours, has been Dominic Smith, who was sent down yesterday to AAA because he has been for about a year now, just a, a borderline unplayable baseball player. 
He has not been hitting at all. He has not been looking like he's, you know, there's been a couple of games where he maybe is appears to be slightly coming out of it, but it, it, it just, it, he hasn't looked like the player we all thought and hoped he could be. And while this may not be a fun, well, this is not news to celebrate. I also think that if you if you believe in him, you have to send him down. You have to attempt to get him figured out because you want him as part of your your future as a as a franchise. And while you know, again, I hope that people are not celebrating this for any reason. It is a very understandable move, at least from my position. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, it, <clears throat> we know that there's redundancy in terms of uh, where he can play in the field and where they're comfortable playing him in the field uh, compared to years past. And I don't know. I When you're struggling like that, you're not going to get out of it by not playing. And he's he's not. He already wasn't. Um, I don't know that a stint in Syracuse will fix him, but it seems better for him to at least get, get those reps, uh, try to get right. And then make his way back. I do think that they're going to have to call him back up and have him look productive at the major league level before anybody trades for him. Oh, 100%. Yes. Um, yes. I know there were definitely some folks among our Mason Avenue crew who would have prefer- strongly preferred that the Mets, traded him over the winter just because of, uh, I don't know, sort of the reality of the roster and and worrying about something exactly like this. So rooting for him because he's he's also been an easy guy to root for, and it would be good for the team if he's either contributing or if he could be the guy that maybe uh, gets dealt somewhere to, to bring them bullpen help or anything else they may need, uh, you know, in – in the next few weeks because trade deadlines two months away from uh, the day of this episode hit, hitting the uh, digital airwaves. And that sounds like a long time, but it's not. No. And, you know, we hope that by that point, a lot of the question marks about the Mets season are, they're not going to be fully resolved, but we're going to know, you know, we're gonna know if Degrom and Scherzer made it back healthy. We're gonna same thing with McGill. We're gonna know if you know certain players' hot streaks continued or certain players got their cold streaks got snapped. Like we're gonna have we're gonna have more empirical evidence at that point to make moves. And so, if you can trade Dom Smith, because you know at this point, okay, we definitely need whatever you know bullpen help. We need a, a fifth starter, whatever the case may be. If he can bring you any of that, that is that is a really useful thing for the team. But even without thinking about like his his potential trade value, um, you know, it's it. You just want that guy to succeed. He seems like a legitimately good dude. And anytime the Mets draft a player, I think many of us get. Uh, perhaps irrationally attached to them because they're a homegrown guy. And, you know, it's it's just uh, you want to see those guys succeed. And Dom was a really important player on the team during 2020, 
both in terms of the baseball being played, but also with the whole aftermath of the George Floyd murder and, you know, being a, 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 a spokesperson for the team in that way, you know, he's just a, he's just an important player for this franchise for that period of time. And I'm going to root for that guy wherever he winds up next, but hopefully he puts it together and can contribute either on the field or off by, by being a trade piece, you know, uh, at some point this season, but we, 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 we are wishing Dom the absolute best uh, going forward for sure. Well, Chris, I think that does it for the, the baseball chat. You ready for some music chat? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, coming off a fine weekend of being at Wilco Solid Town Festival, both of us. Yes, it was nice to see you. I yeah. realized you had said to me, I think it was on Friday, that like for someone I haven't seen in two years, it feels like I just saw you. And that's very true because we talk all the time. But uh, yeah, we hadn't seen each other since spring training of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> just... Yeah, hard to believe. Um, when, when you rented a muscle car and blasted ACDC on the highway. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's the thing that happened. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Hey, when when you have the opportunity to get a fun car for the same price as a not fun car, I say take it. Yeah. Um, but yes, coming off the weekend, uh, there have been several records, both by Wilco and others that have included Nels Klein. Um, but this weekend, especially the Saturday sets of, of the festival uh, that Nels was heavily featured outside of his work with Wilco. Uh, and then also had a, a side project of a new uh, quartet playing jazz on, on Sunday. There was a whole lot of awesome Nels stuff going on. Uh, he remains my favorite active guitarist and, and one of my favorites of all time, regardless. Um, so I would love to recommend the side project that I saw this weekend, but they have not released anything yet. So uh, in lieu of that, I am recommending uh, a record by the Nels Klein Singers, which uh, is ironic. In, in the name because it's instrumental uh <laughs> so there's no singing but the nels klein singers put out a record called Init initiate in uh 2010 and it was really good it, it's a cool release it's got the studio recording of the record and then uh, live takes of all of the songs on it as like a second disc um i own it on cd because that was the physical format that i was still buying at the time uh but it's just really good uh one of several projects that he's been involved in where, and I said this to you, I think over the weekend uh, that I love that you can always tell it's him, even if he's, uh, whether he's in Wilco and playing like a super loud rock song and doing the guitars with either uh, Jeff Tweedy or Pat Sansone, or if it's, straight up jazz or a little more experimental or he's up there as he was this weekend with mike watt uh playing a 20 minute ish extended version of a song and just going nuts the whole time um i love that there's that versatility that you always know it's him and it also fits with uh what he's what he's playing who he's playing with i should say um 
so yeah, initiate the Nels Klein singers. Uh, definitely a fun record. The second song on it, I think, is is uh, the one that I like the most, "Floored," and yeah, give it a listen. Yeah, Nels is the best. I'm uh, I'm such a huge fan of that guy, and I will always be a fan of that guy's playing. Uh, and like you said, even when he was playing with Japanese Breakfast, it still sounded like Nels Klein. You know, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, he's just just a singular talent when it comes to uh, the guitar. Well, so uh, I was I was hoping to pick a, a solid sound artist for my pick, but um, I all the bands that I saw that I really loved, I was sort of aware of their music, save for one, and I'm not going to name that one because I loved the live set and then was thoroughly unimpressed by the record. So I'm not going to hate on it because I had a great time at the live set. Um, but the record I had not heard before I listened to, it, I was like, eh, this is, this is not really for me. So I'm going to go with something else that I've heard recently, which is uh, the new record by Alabaster de Plume. So this is an artist I came across in the early days of the pandemic. I'm not even sure how I came across uh, his, for his record. It was called Tasai and Lee Instrumentals Volume 1. And I, I think I recommended it on one of... We had done a bunch of posts on Amazing Avenue that were like, Amazing Avenue recommends. When there was no baseball, we recommended films and books and records and things. I think I recommended this on one of those shows, um, if not on the podcast proper. But the new album is called Gold, and then there's a subtitle, Go Forward in the uh, Courage of Your Love. It's, it's a bit of a wordy title. Uh, a lot of places, including Spotify, is called it Gold. But... Um, Alabaster de Plume is a poet and saxophone player and songwriter. And the record is this very interesting mix of these sort of beautiful instrumentals with um, like brushed drums and saxophone and acoustic guitar and piano. And there's some stuff that's a little bit louder, a little bit uh, more upbeat. But most of the vocals on it are, they're not quite sung. They're almost like, like like speak song like you know um not not rap at all but just like oh not quite spoken word not quite singing somewhere in between the two but his poetry is really interesting and i i actually i don't like when people sort of speak sing that's not my thing at all but i think it works really really well here but i, I i'm here for the saxophone and the instrumentals the saxophone is an instrument that i think can be either like a sublime piece of an of a sound or can totally take me out of a song um you know but it's a uh it's just uh it's a beautiful record it's really interesting and challenging and it's 19 tracks long which i will say is most of the time too long for a record but uh, you know it's just it takes you on a journey and he's an artist that i've just really become infatuated with his sound i it's one of those things where I'd, I'd heard this. I heard of the new record because uh, Spotify had put, I guess, the, the single that preceded it on a playlist for me a couple months ago. And like, as soon as I, even though I'd never heard the song, I was like, oh, that's Alabaster to Plume. Like, we're singing about Nels Klein, right? You just, you just know sort of someone's musical DNA when you hear it. And for some reason, this just speaks to me right now. And so, Gold by Alabaster to Plume, it's just a brand new record coming out in April, is my, uh, my pick for the, the week. So, um, Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Special thanks to our friend Rob, who's a listener who we saw at Solid Sound, who Chris and I 
talked after we saw him about how nice he was and how much we had how good of a time we had with him. And uh, Rob, we hope to see you at uh, twenty twenty four Solid Sound as well as something cool in between now and then, at least once or twice, because uh, I had a good time with your friend. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can find this podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you find podcasts. We are there. We are also at AmazingAvenue.com, where we have game recaps and news analysis and lots, lots more. You can find Amazing Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs an App. And until next time, let's go Mets.